Miller, and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Monday. Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Back to local programming now through 6 o'clock this evening. BMW Des Moines guest list. Uh, shapes up like this at the bottom of the hour. We will speak with Matt Rudy from Golf Digest. We'll recap uh, the PGA that was won by Brooks Kepka, but sadly, <laughs> I think he was overshadowed uh, despite the fact he was victorious in the tournament and walked away with the uh, trophy. Uh, but the blockheads, my good God, what a story that was. Uh, so we'll talk to Matt Rudy and recap that. Look ahead a little bit to the uh, U.S. Open uh, coming up here at ten at 11.30, I should say. Scott Dockman, 11.45 on Iowa on the Big Ten. Stuart Mandel and Doc did a what seemingly like was a fantasy draft trying to put together, trying to decipher the television puzzle for the three, first three weeks of the college football season. Look, everybody's wanting content at this point, and uh, that's what it's come to. At the athletic, they um, and it's a good read. It's a good read. If you love college football, you're going to click. I certainly know that I did. Our number two, Matt Snyder on uh, MLB in his normal spot. We toss the ball around with Matt every Monday at twelve oh five, and then Nick Oson uh, from twenty four seven Sports CycloneAlert.com. He's just uh, arrived at the latest tailgate stop. Uh, for Iowa State, so we'll get the latest on the clones. They did pick up a defensive lineman from Auburn over the weekend, uh, a quarterback, which is interesting in and of itself. Uh, a quarterback, uh, a JUCO quarterback, is has not accepted uh, the invitation to play uh, for the clones. But Tanner Hughes has been offered. He's a JUCO. JUCOs. What do they want? They want to play immediate playing time. Immediate playing time. Is there immediate playing time at Iowa State at the quarterback position? There is smoke there. There's been smoke brewing around that position for some time. Um, most of you are aware of it. Nobody is reporting it at this point because it's not official. But um, I don't know. If, do we put two and two together? Does it up to four or keep trying to figure it out because your math is incorrect? We'll see. But it just seems rare that... Here we are in the middle of May, past the middle of May, coming up on the final week of May, and a an offer was extended to a JUCO quarterback. Now it's a contact sport. And behind Tanner Deckers is Rocco Beck to play. Did he throw? He did a couple of, had a few plays. And then J.J. Cole, who most think is going to be the heir apparent at some point, but not a lot of depth behind Deckers. And should there be an injury, etc., is this the reason for it? I'm guessing they realized that we don't have a lot of depth at the quarterback position prior to yesterday. I mean, it's just, the timing just doesn't make sense, especially on the heels mm-hmm. of the investigation. We shall see whose names are caught up in it. But look, at I don't think we would be doing our jobs if we at least didn't speculate as to what potentially might be behind this. We've heard the names. You've heard the names. At least a lot of you have that may or not be involved, may or may not be involved with it. Iowa State is offering a quarterback, a JUCO quarterback. JUCOs want playing time instant playing time what's he been told we'll find out a phenomenal weekend can't say that the winter sports have been entertaining us none of them none of the conference finals are a series we got two three and o's and two two and o's hockey's two and o the nba at this point both series three and o celtics will win in seven (laughs) 
You think so, huh? No. That's just, I mean, they're embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, to be called out the way that they are, Barkley called them out. Um, Reggie Miller called them out. Um, it's just it's just terrible basketball. This is the Boston Celtics. We're talking. Magic Johnson called him out for crying out loud. And this isn't a guy that you see. At least I haven't taken a lot of shots out there. So, um, boy, that was just putrid. Watching the Lakers, they looked old for God's sakes on Saturday night. LeBron, he's just at a point of thirty eight years of age. He just can't carry a team anymore. It's a remarkable career that he's had, and I'm not saying that it's over, but to expect him. As we expected him in previous years, in previous playoffs, to, you know what, if it's, if it's not, they're going to win, it's going to be on your back, LeBron. Mm-hmm. And usually those years he was able to answer the bell. He can't this year. He can't. He just looks slow running up the court. One team's running at full speed. The other team is kind of, you know, jogging back up the floor, knowing that they can't do anything to stop those Denver Nuggets. The series in the West is brutal. The series in the East is worse. The hockey series, both at least have gone to overtime. Uh, but uh, they're both two nothing uh, at this point. Uh, remarkable. The golf was terrific. Golf was great. Uh, watching Brendan Chambly uh, and Brad Faxon get after each other after the golf tournament. I mean, Kepka's an American. <laughs> the Ryder Cup is the best of the world against the Americans. I don't care what tour he plays on. He's an American. Check his birth certificate. It doesn't say LIV or PGA. It says USA. I mean, what's the argument here? I don't get it. The argument is he is part of the group that's trying to ruin the PGA Tour. Huh? That's where it starts. He's an American. He is American. Yeah, and then, and then and he's a turncoat, and he's taking money from yeah. the Saudis, and yeah. that's where yeah. you get into the weeds. Now, I disagree with it. Yeah. I'm with you yeah. with that, but I absolutely understand the point of that. See, I, I get being pissed off. Mm-hmm. I, I do. And I and, am, too. I, you know I love golf, yeah, and I, I'm pissed off at the live guys, and I used to like Brooks Kepka, mm-hmm. and I don't anymore, mm-hmm. and I was rooting against him all week long. I did not want him to win. I did not want the live. He put on a clinic. I didn't want them to have anything. This, mm-hmm. What he said is right. He is as talented as any guy you're going to find, mm-hmm. but I didn't want him to win. It doesn't bother me. Maybe it's because I'm not an American. Very well That probably be. has something to do with it. I, I give you that point. I'm not qualified to speak on that. Um I, I guess I don't I don't get the angst. You know, it says USA. It doesn't say PGA or LIV. Um, but boy, he's not alone. Chambly is not alone. Nope. I mean, the guy that uh, that the president of the PGA. Did you see the awkward moment at the trophy presentation? Yes. I'm not gonna shake your hand. No. Nope. And he walked away, and Kepka turned around, looked at him, and laughed at him. I mean, they take it personally, but is it really ruining the PGA? Has it ruined the PGA? It has it's taken it. it's taken some of the better the bigger names. Mm-hmm. Look, if there was a live talk show host, sports talk show host, I know where I'm going. You're following the money. I am. Yeah. I've Look, I've made bad career decisions in the past, so I'm not one to take career advice from, perhaps. But who doesn't take that opportunity to, to work less, earn more? I get where the money comes from. Therein lies the rub. Yes. Um, without a doubt, it, it's, dirty in a lot, it's, it's dirty in a lot of ways um, with the Saudis. Understandable. Uh, they're, not, they're not a lovable group. No, they right? They're just not a love. I, I, I get the whole Khashoggi thing. I've read about it, heard about it. Um, but again, they're golfers, and for them to be ostracized, I'm a Canadian. You take it from here. I'm over the tips of my skis. Well, and that's the problem with this is how much is enough? 
We're not talking about guys that are making $42,000 a year. <laughs> They're making... They're already making well, millions of dollars. Well, Kepko made over $3 million for winning that golf tournament yesterday. And that's where this becomes difficult. Yeah, for a radio talk show host, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You're a teacher. You're a whatever the profession. You're an mm-hmm. accountant. And you have a chance to triple, quadruple your money. Mm-hmm. You're going. That's a different conversation right. than the guy that's making $3 million a year. I'm not going to cry that they're struggling. Well, he made $3 million this weekend. They have to play... Oh, we have to play 22 tournaments a year. Oh, wham, wham. You're playing golf. Knock it off. That is the part that I absolutely have trouble with. That is the part of this that makes it a difficult conversation because the money is dirty. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. All right, you're Zach Johnson. What are you doing? Oh, to put him on the team? Yeah. I'm putting him on the team. Got to put him on the team. Yeah. We want to win. Want to win. Absolutely. And he gives you the best chance to win. Those are different conversations. Mm-hmm. Two completely different conversations. He's eligible. Yep. You can pick anybody you want. Yep. Then you absolutely put Brooks Kepka on your team. What do you think if you were to pull golf fans that were there this weekend or attend? Eh, I shouldn't say that. There were plenty of booze for Kepka. There was. They were, what's, they were calling him his real name. What is his real name? Brian or Butch or I don't know. They were calling him whatever. They were they were chanting not Brooks. Barry, it starts with a B. I don't know, whatever his real name is. That's what he was getting catcalled this weekend. And he fed off of it. He fed off of it. He said he appreciated those those taunts. Um, but God, he's a machine. Watching what he did. But again, to me, as good as it was, as good as his play was, and it was phenomenal, I'll remember Michael Block for the first yes. time. I can't wait to ask Matt Rudy, who covers golf for a living, right? Mm-hmm. What was the first time you heard of this cat? Has he had he heard of him prior to this weekend? Had you had you bet on him? No, Michael Block. No, he's he. I mean, he's prepared. he's out of the tour. He's this is the third tournament he's played in this year. The first two are miscuts. He's like a guy that works at the course. What I tried to tell Cindy, I said, Cindy, we live at Otter Creek. The guy, the head pro at Otter mm-hmm. Creek. That's what this guy is doing. And then he drains that uh, that uh, shot on 15, the hole-in-one. Remarkable. Needing to make the putt on 18 to qualify for next year's PGA after the trouble that he was in at, uh, to get to that point. Needed to get up and down. I know Jim Nance is being criticized for calling it one of the most remarkable up-and-downs in the history of golf. <laughs> okay, maybe that's a little bit over the top. Yeah. But I get what he was going to because this was such an unlikely story. It was amazing. That's what I'll remember this tournament a how good block uh, how good uh kepka was uh the block and the blockheads and the cheers and the tears and i had them too i had them too watching the interviews it was remarkable great theater that's sports it's the greatest reality show of all times bob ryan's line not mine he's right sean mccarty he's the guy here in the state of iowa that we've heard a lot about he's mm-hmm. qualified for the pga championship i think three or four times in his career that's what it is. No. You're a club pro. And, and hearing him, hearing Block talk about it afterwards, people think I have the greatest job that I just sit and hit golf balls all day. Right. So he can't remember last time he sat, sat out there at work and just hit a bucket of balls. Yeah. That's not what it is. This he, is not a guy. It's $150 for a 45 minute lesson. That, mm-hmm. That's what he makes out at the, the practice tee. Uh, just, um, he, he's sitting in the, I don't know, the, the player's lounge or whatever afterwards when he gets a phone call uh, from the, uh, what, what's the tournament coming up this weekend in Dallas? Um, yes, this one this week. This, this the one, Charles Schwab. The Schwab gets a call from the uh, whoever's running the Schwab, an invite 
um, an exemption into the tournament. His boss at the club that he's at, he says, well, I got to ask my boss if I can get the time off first. (laughs) I mean, this is the kind of guy. This is a lunch pill dude. Mm -hmm. How do you not root for these guys? Phenomenal weekend. So glad that, A, the ace was incredible, uh, but the fact that he made that putt, and I'm not going to kill Jim Nance. Was it over the top? Maybe. But when you consider, when you put it all together, um, I mean, he made 288000 Prior to that, what did he say? His biggest check was... It was seventy five thousand. He remembers it like it was yesterday, and the one previous to that was forty five hundred. Those were the two biggest paydays of this guy's life prior to finishing in the top fifteen, which earned him two hundred and eighty eight thousand dollars for his weekend's work. Phenomenal game, a phenomenal weekend. The really tie for fifteenth gets him uh, qualified Exemption, for next year. Yeah. And he will be into that. He was very close also to even getting the Masters. Oh, he didn't. It does, what did he have to do to get that? I want to say it was a top 10. Top 10? Yeah, that I he had to get. Right, Trent. I think you're but, right, Trent. But, uh, yeah, just absolutely uh. an incredible story and a weekend that was dominated by Brooks Kepka. Mm-hmm. And he won the golf tournament. Oh, this, yeah. This was not mm-hmm. a collapse. Victor Hovland's going to get there. Yeah. He's going now, to. He did collapse. His, his 16, the double bogey there was. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. And we it's saw golf. it two days in a row. Mm-hmm. You're a Canadian lad. Yeah, Connors, Connors had it yeah. happen Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing happened to Hovland. But he's going to be there after his performances. Got to clean up the putter a little bit mm-hmm. more. Speaking of putters, Scotty Scheffler. Mm. 35th in putting this week. Every other metric, he absolutely dominated. Yeah. He gets that short stick. If he gets going, and it's you know those 8 to 15 footers that so many guys, including Kepko, were making. That he just couldn't get it going yeah. this week. Yeah. Or Scheffler was going to be right there, too. Mm-hmm. And Scheffler would have won that tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a lot of opportunities that he missed out on. But mm. it ultimately is about Brooks Kepka. And we saw it at the Masters. I didn't believe it. Yeah. And here we are now. Now we get into the conversation. Is this the right thing for guys that are, after you get through your apex, you start to get into your 30s, does live make more sense? Cut down on the wear and tear of your body. Mm-hmm. You're leading up to four events. Well, that's what Kepka does. Kepka's all about the majors, right? But he's, he's always, always been. That's what I'm saying. He's always been that differently. Way. Yep, yep. Because it's difficult to envision Justin Thomas doing that. It, it's yeah. diff- John Rahm doing that. Mm-hmm. Because there is more to them. Mm-hmm. Kepka, Kepka, that's all he cared yeah, about. Yeah, Rahm, Rahm won the Masters and showed up and played the next tournament the next right. week. Why? Because he said he would be there. He went down to the Mexico mm-hmm. Open after winning the year previous. Yep. Masters winners usually are not going to do no, that. No, no. There were two top 50 players in the field. It was yep. him. And it was Tony Finau. Huh. Those were the only ones that made there. But Rom was one of them that went down there because he'd won it the year previous. They're wired differently. And Kepka is too. Yeah. And kind of that, that tough guy attitude that he has, it played well. And it plays well kind of with the live tour. I mean, it, it fits his sensibilities. Well, look, I, don't, I've, I have not watched a shot of live golf. I've not watched one. I flipped it on the first time it Did was you? on on YouTube. Oh, he's on the computer when you were watching, yes, I think. Yeah. In fact, we might have been at work that we day. We were, yeah. I remember that. And I didn't understand what the hell was going on. It right, was so confusing right, right. with uh, the team scores going and, mm-hmm. and everybody with the shotgun start. It's garbage golf. Well, let's be honest. It's bad golf. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, they got some big names, but... Um yeah, well, like I'll, I'll defer to you because I just I don't watch it. I mean, it's on the CW for crying out loud. Now the Pac-12 would love to be on the CW the way their freaking media rights are going. It came out again today that ESPN is not in negotiations with them. We will see. Um, but uh, phenomenal way to go, Michael Block. You made my weekend. It was terrific theater. Um, it really was. It, it was good. The golf course I thought was fine. Crowds were good. Yep. Uh, pretty uh, pretty good event for the PGA on a lazy weekend in the month of May. With no NHL, no NBA, that's compelling. No, it really wasn't. Baseball's 
what, third of the way, not even quite to the end mm-hmm. of the season. Yeah, it's just... I'm out of baseball. This My squad just pisses me off. I can't oh, really? Oh, they're just You're done. No, I'm not done. But I couldn't watch them this weekend. What they do this weekend? I've been swept. Oh. Swept, by the, swept by the Orioles, swept by whoever played them in the game. Uh, it's just brutal. Anyways. Four straight losses. But who did they play before that? They, they lost three out of four to the Yankees. That's what it was. And then swept by the Orioles. And now they go to Tampa Bay. Good luck. Tampa for four, three in Minnesota, Milwaukee after that, at the Mets, Astros after that, Twins again, Orioles, where's the break? At the Rangers, at the Marlins? May, no, they're second place. They're better. They get the A's, the 23rd of June. Yeah, hopefully there's a new manager by then. He's oh, already wow. in the dugout. Don Mattingly's there. He's the heir apparent, I think. <laughs> Look at Not you. saying that he's the... You're firing uh, managers here on May 22nd. Ah, uh, just frustrating as hell. They're last place in the East. For, they're last place. That's... Yeah, they're also 25 and 22. They're 25 and 22. They'd be in first place, place if they're in the Central. Uh, the Christopher Morrell story is just remarkable what this cat continues to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, just home run every, um, seemingly every game. He's, I guess the time down here, this is what he was supposed to do, was work, work on a few things in order to get better and get up there and be ready to answer the bell. But Jesus, what a story. The Twins, or excuse me, the Cubs road trip. This is what they did. Went two and seven. Mm. They hit two thirty four. Mm. They hit two hundred three with runners in scoring position. Yikes! Run differential in again nine games minus twenty seven. Their team ERA seven point five one, nine point one zero from the bullpen. The rotation was better six point four five from the starters. Jesus! Yuck! That is a whole plateful of yuck, isn't it? My God, that's terrible. That's awful. Maybe those wins earlier this season against the A's and yeah. against teams like that, the Reds and yeah. company. Yeah, fooled us for the month of April. Yeah, we got a month. Yeah, it didn't get us to Memorial Day, but uh, pr- pretty darn close. Boy, oh boy, that's brutal. You know, back to the basketball for just a second. Yeah. There's one line that I forgot about. Um, I think it was Reggie Miller who said, how little... Uh, that Miami respects the Boston Celtics, that they're actually running plays or calling plays for Cody Zeller. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah, It was a set play to get Zeller the ball underneath the basket so he could score, and he did. That's disrespect with a capital dis. Just a terrible performance last night. That's one of the worst I've ever seen. One of the worst I've ever seen. A team quit in the conference finals, and, there, and we're called out for it. There was a little bit of that from Boston as the series was getting away in the finals last year against the Warriors. Where you, eh. Where's that dog in this team? What has happened to this team, Trent? You saw them in the last round. I mean, maybe I was But it was because little... it was the Sixers. Well, but still, too Another good... team that has not a whole lot of tough guy DNA yeah. in that organization. But they got the MVP. Yeah. Is there much tough guy DNA in that guy? I'd rather say have no. Jokic. <laughs> I think I'd rather have a half dozen guys uh-huh. than the guy that was voted MVP. Where's Al Horford been? He's trying. He's old. I get it. No, where is Jason Tatum? Where is he? Where's Brown? Those are the two guys. Those are your benchmarks. That is how you're starting mm-hmm. this team, this one-two punch. Mm-hmm. That look a couple years ago when they surprised. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals as youngsters. Well, Jason Tatum's 25 now. And led the team with 14 points in Game 3 when you're down 2 nothing in the series. And the best you can do is come up with 14 points. His running mate, Brown, had a dozen. Combined, they were 1 for 14 from 3. My God, that's a whole lot of yuck. That twosome 
They have a decision now because Jalen Brown was voted third team all NBA. And that means there is an extra kicker in there that they're going to have to pay him. It's like three years, $115 million. Plus what they're paying Tatum. Uh huh. Marcus Smart's probably going to have to go. He's not cheap. What do you do? Do you... Well, you fired the coach, first of all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the first thing. And maybe they can do so before tomorrow. And this is not a Missoula fault. No, they, but Jesus, they're not listening to him. Right. What They were put in a situation that... Now, should have they gone out there and find a veteran? Found well, a, is it, what's, what's Frank, Frank Vogel's Stevens' role with the team right now? He's team president. Well, why can't he come back on he that? He doesn't want to. Hmm. Can, he, can he tomorrow? <laughs> I would guess not. Holy mackerel. Is it going to matter? But I don't know, Trent. I just want to be entertained. And this is like all of us do, right? We mm-hmm. want good games. These have been awful. We've got a pair of eight seeds. Miami and Florida. Florida Panthers, Miami Heat. These are eight seeds that have dominated their respective series. I get that the, that the Panthers dominate while they won in both of an overtime. They've been the best team on the ice both games. Best team on the ice both games. Best team on the floor for three games now, the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler has been, oh, he's been incredible. So if we do get Denver and, it sure like, and the Heat, mm-hmm. as it sure looks like we will, I mean, the Heat are going to be favored in the series. I mean, I beg your pardon. The Nuggets are going to be favored in the series. Oh, absolutely. Big time? Oh, I would say minus 250. That big? Oh, yeah. Who are oh. you going to bet? Oh, the Nuggets. Are you? Yeah. Now, the one thing I'm most disappointed in is... A, I said the Heat, they shouldn't be plus 480 going into the series. Mm-hmm. Didn't fire at that. And I'll probably be disappointed again. Yeah, This Nuggets team's different, though. Yes, they are. There's there's problems with Boston. There mm-hmm. were problems. The run, the Knicks, the Knicks were a nice story. Getting MSG yeah. fired up again, yeah. but they weren't a very good no, team. No, no, that's true. Milwaukee, if Giannis is healthy, mm-hmm. they don't win that series, mm-hmm. do they? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Um, everything has worked out. The Nuggets, they are revved up. Yep. And I think they should be a significant favorite over they, there. Obviously, they've got the best player in the, in the game or in the, in the playoffs. Murray is playing at a high level. Um, Porter Jr. is a good player, good role player. Um, a Brown off the bench is a good player. And meanwhile, the Heat have Bam, <laughs> Butler, and their third best player is not and playing, Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero. And is he out, out, out? There's rumblings. He's done some work. Doesn't sound overly promising. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing. This thing could be wrapped up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We could have both sweeps. Full, full, well, full. So when would it start? Are they going to make June us wait? June 1st. Is that right? Nine days. They would wait. And they wouldn't push it up. That they will push it up. I mean, I thought, I thought hockey lost a lot of momentum when they took the two nights off yeah, last week. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And now you're going to take nine days off mm. for Nuggets heat? Would the NHL take the time off, or would they go right away? I think they're scheduled as well. I think so, too. They want to have those prime windows. Yeah, they want I to have so the too. right games on Sundays. They want to have all that set up in the correct so way. So this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, I get everybody wants to be outside. Well, not everybody. <laughs> not you. <laughs> right. But most people want to be outside. But it's going to be a standalone baseball week. And not that that's a bad thing, necessarily, but... Boy, oh boy. We'll take our first time out. We'll come back, Matt Rudy, on the golf. There's some bad blood. There's some upset people. Some disappointment among some of the suits with the PGA was on full display yesterday. Chambly and Faxton, that was a spirited, not spirited, um, 
But Chambly was, uh, he was on that island. He was like, he can't be a part of it. Can't be a part of it. Doesn't care if he's an American. Doesn't deserve to be on the team. Matt Rudy next. Scott Dockerman coming up at 11.45. Um, Nick Oson, looking forward to talking with Nick. He's at the tailgate. Want to pick his brain on what's behind this? A quarterback, a Juco quarterback. Juco's want playing time. Was there a wink and a nod? Why did he come to I? Was that his only offer? I don't know. Nick will tell us when we come back. Uh, well, about an hour from now. Um, Golf next. Matt Rudy, Miller and Conda, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Until dot net. Hi, Miller and Conda. Welcome back. It's past 1130. Nice. On a Monday, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Let's get right to Matt Rudy. He's our golf guy. Has been... For a long time, and he joins us. Recap the PGA. Take a quick peek, quick peek ahead uh, to the U.S. Open. But uh, Matt, as always, thank you for doing this for us. Um, yep, Brooks Kepka one, which was a, I mean, uh, just a machine-like effort down the stretch. But boy, oh boy, for for a lot of people, the weekend uh, was not won by him, was it? It was all of the blockheads uh, that uh, became fans, uh, as I did. What a phenomenal story Michael Block wrote this weekend. It, it was amazing, and uh, I, there's a couple pieces to it. I, I mean, you got to play well, number one, which you did, and then the other part, when the camera's on you, and when you're doing some of that live audio where you walk down the fairway, you have to deliver and be interesting and charismatic and funny. And he was all those things too. I did to to tie it all up in a package, and then to make a hole in one to basically get, basically get into the PGA next year. I don't know how much uh, more you could ask from a content perspective, speaking as somebody who has to yeah. write about this stuff and talk about it every week. Uh, you got it from all directions. You got Brooks Kepka winning the PGA. You got the PGA Tour versus Live stuff. Yep. And you got the you got a club pro finishing in the top 15 and doing it in dramatic fashion. It was a, it was a pretty satisfying week for sure. Really was a cool story, somebody to root for, and probably gives a little something to the tour professionals that get to this point for the, uh, the club pros that get this opportunity saying – Boy, just one of those days, right? Just something to dream for for all these guys. It was, and and the other, and this is not to take away from what Michael Block did. He's a ten-time Section Player of the Year in California. He's a wonderful player, but it just shows you how hard it is and how good PGA Tour players are. That somebody that good is just that one half notch yeah. below the level that it takes to to be on the PGA Tour. And you know, the, anytime you hear somebody at your club who's a plus three or plus four handicaps, say, well, if I just had time to practice, I could go out there and make it on the tour. It's pretty hard, <laughs> and they're pretty good. And that golf course was really tough, and for him to go around it in four rounds and shoot one over and, 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 make, and make 300 grand, it was, a, it was a great Cinderella story for sure. Really was. Uh, and then Kepka wins, and, and then it just the, – you'd think that, um, you know, we turn off our TVs, we, we, saw, we saw Block, we saw Kepka. Uh, we thought, well, the PGA is over for the year, but it's, it seemed to be, there was another layer to it that got going after the tournament, whether it be Shambly and Faxton, whether it be the uh, PGA president who didn't want to be anywhere near Brooks Kepka for the trophy per- per- presentation and didn't want to shake his hand. There's some animosity there. There is clearly hurt feelings and they were on full display after a live golfer won, uh, the first, uh, the first major since that tour began. Sure, and I, and I don't even know if it's hurt feelings as, a mu- as much as it is hurt dollars. You know, it's, it's, 
know, these are all business people who are trying to preserve their own their own space. And and if anything, of all the the tour players, Brooks is one of the guys who's probably said the least about the live stuff versus the PGA Tour stuff, and he just kind of put his head down and said, "I'm going to play golf." So, I mean, I don't I don't know why. I mean, I think the the if somebody wins the tournament, whatever tour they're on or whatever your feelings are about it, if it's the trophy presentation, you can shake hands and kind of do what you're supposed to do there. You're absolutely right in that it creates this fascinating drama. What happens when they pick the Ryder Cup teams now? Yeah. I mean, Brooks Kepka is the, P- the reigning PGA champion. He's still a PGA member. He's not a member of the PGA Tour, but he's a member of the PGA of America. So, I mean, do you, how do you leave you can't. that guy off the Ryder Cup team? I, I don't know that you can, and it's, it's, a fascinating, it's a fascinating scenario for sure. Does Zach Johnson get pressure from the PGA? Oh, great question. I don't know if, if he gets – I think the right answer should be no, he doesn't get pressure. But the, the real answer is that you have to weigh the fairness of it. You have to weigh the – the entertainment value of it. I mean, this is a TV event. This is a, you know, this is supposed to be. There's supposed to be interest in this, and it would be hard to argue that anyone in in that captain spot could generate more interest in the event, really? or give the U.S. give the U.S. a better chance to win than the guy who finished second in the first major of the year and yeah. won the second one of the year. So, I mean, I guess you could stand on principle, but what exactly did the live? tour guys do to alienate themselves from the PGA of America. I mean, that, that's the PGA of America is not a party in this whole fight. So this would, that would seem to be pretty drastic to, to leave somebody like that off the team. Do you know, has, has Kepka been asked if he, if, if offered, he will accept the opportunity to play in the Ryder cup. Do you know if he wants to? That's an interesting question. I did a big cover story with him a couple of years ago, right when the last Ryder cup was being played and he was pretty outspoken in that about, how some of the grind around the Ryder Cup is not very entertaining, and he's more of a lone wolf type of player, and that that, that caused a big stir when it came out. And that that's an interesting piece to it. Um, do I think broadly he would accept the invitation if he was asked? I think I think it's an honor to be asked, but but this is also the same player that was asked to replace Bryson in the Olympics, and he said no. Mm. So I don't know that anybody really knows what Brooks's temperature is he could well say, hey, if you guys are going to put me through the ringer, then you know, don't bother to kind of give me a backhanded invitation. I'm going to go do something else that week. And, and um, his wife is pregnant, so I wonder when, what, how that timeline matches up. I mean, that could be, I want to be with my wife. It's too close to the baby, blah, blah, blah. Do you know what, uh, that, if that, the timelines match up? I don't. And, and the other part that's hard to, to sort of plot out is that a lot of players, they won't say it out loud, but they view the Ryder Cup as kind of an exhibition mm. where everybody else is making money except for them. I yeah. know that sounds bad, but let's be real. They're, these are all professional athletes who play golf for money. So mm-hmm. to everybody have everybody pile up and do an event and have all these demands on them. We would all, as sports fans, say, oh, I would give my right arm to go play in the Ryder Cup. But for a player, it's another week of demands and doing things when nobody's getting paid. And you know that, that, that's kind of the the dirty little secret in golf. And it probably shouldn't be viewed that way because I don't know that any of us, if someone said, go do this for a week, 
and it was a job and it was your job and you didn't get paid that you would necessarily feel super great about that all the time. Leave off, uh, leave off Kepka invite uh, block. <laughs> I get a little buzz. He needs thirty. He needs thirty-five more yards off the tee. That's the only thing he needs. Well, it, it was a fun tournament. We had a lot of good names at the top. Victor Hovland, another close call. Had the difficult uh, shot there on sixteen that really, for all intents and purposes, ended it. Hovland's going to get one pretty soon, isn't he? Oh, I think so. I think. You got to talk about him and talk about Xander Shoffley and yeah. talk about Max Homa. Those are all guys that are relatively young. And and the only thing you can say is, is you know, when you see these players putting themselves in that position over and over again, they, you know, they're going to do it. And all, not only are they going to do it, they sometimes you don't have to do it. You you know somebody else falls apart. And, and I, I don't I don't mean to sound harsh, but you saw what happened to Corey Connors, for example. Yeah. That when the moment gets big. Sometimes you, you hit a bad shot and, and, and someone's going to help you win that one. So, I mean, Hovland's such a good ball striker. He's starting to sort out the short game stuff that's always been kind of the one weak point of his game. And I don't think there's a, a doubt that he's going to be in position to do this again. Can we get him some better clothes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, he doesn't get to decide. And, and you know what? Sponsors, to be honest, right? I, yeah. I, I, have this, I have this conversation with my dad all the time because he texts me and says, oh, can you believe what he's wearing? <laughs> the point is, if, if, if you're complaining about it, it's not aimed at you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. you. So, so, so Jay Lindbergh, how, how, how much have we been talking about these clothes throughout the course of the week? It's exactly what they'd hope to have happen. So if, if, if you hate those clothes... They're definitely not aimed at you. Oh, man, getting old sucks. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, Rory McIlroy, um, he, he went into Sunday knowing he had to sh- have, shoot a remarkable score to get close. He goes out on one. I mean, he almost sticks his uh, his second shot, makes an easy bird. And then on the second hole, you, you can't blame him for being as aggressive, I guess, is where I'm going, right? Knowing that, you know, it's not – if he finishes, you know, in the top ten, he still takes it. It's not about the money to him. It's about the prestige and the trophy. Is he doing? Is he going about it the right way? I mean, if he just wouldn't take as many chances and cost himself, because he's always seemingly right there in the top ten, and but he's gambling going into the final round uh, of his tournament because he knows that, at least in the back of his mind, he has to play like this to give himself a chance. Well, I think that's a good point. You know, the the, the having to be putting yourself in position to have to be aggressive doesn't give you. I mean, I think it's like gambling. You know, if, if you go and you. And you and you play blackjack, and you're hitting on 17 all the time. I guess you're going to hit a 21 every once in a while, but yeah. you get a four. But the odds are not in your favor. I think the issue for Rory is his starts have traditionally been pretty poor in majors. He's a, he has trouble in the first round, which translates into having to do crazy stuff later in the tournament. I mean, I think he tied the course record at Augusta National a couple of years ago in the in the final round because he had to <laughs> to try to get back in the tournament. So I don't know if it's playing more conservative or if it's coming up with some other mental approach that that takes some of the the pressure off of him coming into the event. It's I mean that's really kind of an unfair ask lately because another big part of his job has been being the spokesman for the PGA Tour. So that you know he's mm-hmm. basically got yeah. a moonlighting job to go with his with his playing job and and then when you see somebody like Brooks it just looks like that guy can play his golf and then turn the switch off and come back and play the next day. I mean, that's a really powerful superpower, and it's a reason why he's got five majors and just only a couple other PGA Tour wins. Four weeks, and we will get the U.S. Open. It'll be in prime time as it'll be out on the left coast Dang. 
in L.A. First time ever, Los Angeles Country Club in the North Course will hold a major. What do we know about this course? We know the USGA is going to trick it up as much as possible. What do we know here a month out? You know, I think the it's hard it's hard to say until you can see what the real setup is. You know what you know what they're actually going to do to it. But if I have to guess, the feel is going to be if the USGA gets its way, the feel is going to be closer to what Marion was when Justin Rose won the U.S. Open, where you have a golf course that's not enormous like best page you know where there's unlimited space and, and you know this is an urban golf course in the middle of really expensive houses and they just don't have unlimited space to do whatever they want so my hope is that the, the golf course is not the main character it's just one of the characters and, and the, the play of the players in the field is what determines who wins and I think you want to see what we just saw this past week which is mm-hmm. the golf course was tough was tough and the golf course was fair but it also gave us the opportunity for exciting moments. That pin placement where Block made a hole in one, I mean, that's, you know, that's intentional because they want to see excitement at the end of the tournament. So, you, I mean, you've got to give players the opportunity to do that. Did you, had you heard of Michael Block prior to this weekend? Had you met him? Well, I, I've, I'd met him, and, and he's a fantastic uh, club player. You know, he, he's won 10 Section Player of the Year awards. And so, I mean, in that in that playing teaching space, I'd heard of him, but you know, the, for most of those players, and this is not a knock, you know, just getting in the for that event is a huge deal. So to be able to take that instead of just going, well, I, I accomplished my goal, but to take it one step further and make the cut, and take it another step further and play with you know play with McElroy on Sunday, play great. I mean, yeah. that, you, you got to give him all the credit in the world. You do. He's been invited to the Charles Schwab Canadian Open. Wants him. I see uh, Keith Murphy, our local guy here, Matt, uh, tweeted that he grew up at least some part of his life in Iowa. Does that mean the John Deere Classic's going <laughs> to yeah. want him? Uh, which make a ton of sense. He's going to have plenty of opportunities. Good for him. I, I hope he extends his 15 minutes of fame. That was a phenomenal ride yesterday. Hey, Matt, thank you as always. We'll talk to you in about a month. By the way, uh, for those of you who like the game of golf, Matt, you got a, you're got a great piece. Uh, reason to believe golf's uh, growth in popularity will endure. Uh, and I couldn't agree with you more. It's a good read. And that boy, you know, there used to be when I was a kid. There was it was you could play golf, you could play miniature golf. Now this top golf, <laughs> etc. I mean, top golf is adding to the popularity of the game and the people that uh, that are playing it. There's no question about it. Um, good read, Matt Rudy at GolfDigest.com. Talk to you in a month. Thank you as always. You bet. See you guys. Yep. Good to talk to you, Matt Rudy. Uh, from uh, Golf Digest. All right, Scott Dockerman coming up next. We'll get into Iowa, get into the Big Ten as uh, we continue on. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Hi, Miller Condon. Welcome back. Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Scott Dockerman uh, writes for The Athletic. He's been busy over there. Really cool piece. Him and Mandel trying to figure out the first three weeks television-wise of the college football season. We'll know sooner or later, Doc, but uh, I, I did, look, you got me to click on it as uh, we just we're salivating for anything college football related. That was a pretty cool exercise, Doc, and a lot of thought went into it. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. And I uh, last week, while the uh, the athletic staff, we were in Chicago for three plus days, and one of the days, Stu and I sat down, probably 
And it was it was at least two and a half, maybe three hours that we went through each and every scenario. And then it's it's kind of like trying to do a bowl projection because you know you have so many different leagues that have so many different attachments and who could go to go when and where. And it's the same thing with the television. And then now you have new TV slots with uh, the Big Ten and teams moving from the Conference USA to the AAC, and it's just going to continue to change. So it was uh, it was complicated. It was interesting. I don't know how accurate we'll end up being, but I think we've got a fairly decent handle on what we think will end up happening. Well, as we see these TV times starting to trickle out, we found out Iowa-Penn State will be a night game on CBS, and you're in the CBS College Football Music for an Iowa game for the first time in, what, 35 years will be pretty cool. With that, though, Doc, uh, what, do, what do Iowa and Big Ten fans need to know about what changes we're going to see here with the TV schedule for 2023? Yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, you, first of all, you don't have to worry about ESPN. The only time right. that there'll be a game on ESPN is when a Big Ten team is on the road. So that, I guess you, you might have a game like that. And it very well could be Iowa State, depending on what the Cyclones, uh, how the Cyclones are picked since they're having the home game. Uh, but overall, any Big Ten home games will not appear on the ESPN family and networks. Uh, Fox has the majority of rights, as, as we know, it has been the case. But then uh, you have kind of a trade-off once in a while between CBS and NBC. And I don't have quite all the specifics yet. There's still uh, some issues yet to be to determined between I'll say. these, uh, <laughs> you know, that were left over by the previous commissioner, and yeah. which is why the '80s and the commissioner didn't, you know, didn't like the commissioner very much. But uh, there was, um, you know, I, I think once you start to get into the schedule, you'll kind of see the who who gets what, and, and mainly because they draft the weekends more than they do the games. They'll draft a few games, but it'll be like let's say, I don't know, October 11th, and they'll be drafting that weekend as opposed to one specific game, and it kind of goes from there. Doc, and, and you uh, you touched on it. Uh, Kevin Warren apparently, um, he, he didn't dot all his I's and cross all his T's <laughs> uh, when, it, when it comes to that contract with NBC, which, uh, I mean, I don't know how they could get to this point and still have this many questions, and now they're starting to be blowback, apparently, from some of the, the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Penn States. We were always told that it was a policy, that there's no rule stating that Big Ten teams can't play at night after November 1st, but there's been a policy uh, that they won't do that. Well, NBC wants night content, uh, and NBC thought that they were going to get night content, and now all of a sudden the schools are realizing what the contract and the wink and the nod that Kevin Warren apparently gave to uh, uh, to the Peacock Network. How's this going to work out? Does it mean that you know there's going to be a whole, there's going to be Illinois versus Rutgers at night in prime time uh, with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State seemingly going to draw a line in the sand? No, it, they're going to have to back down on this one, and it, it, this one kind of cracks me up a little bit. This part of the story, I mean, the story that Pete Gamble did at ESPN was was tremendous. He did a lot of digging and did a great job there. But I'll say this part of the story is, is kind of laughable. They all knew. They all knew that's what ESPN wanted, and they were going to get it all throughout November. They In the, in the COVID year, they had uh, night games. So why now that it's a big deal? Well, I know sometimes this is where Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State sometimes think they're special, 
and they get they do get special treatment. It, it's not as prevalent as like say Texas and the Big Twelve, but uh, you know this there's a reason why they don't have Friday night home games at any of those spots. But at some point they're going to have to join the party, and this is one case where. Um, they knew about it, and it's really only a couple of weeks here. Right. I mean, we're talking about uh, they get all the way through the first weekend in, in February, and according to, to Pete's piece, uh, the second one, Ohio State's going to play Michigan State. And then, you know, okay, so now you're talking about two, and then at the end of the season, Penn State and Michigan State's going to be on this Black Friday joining Iowa and Nebraska. So now you're talking about the third one, and I'd say, what, what about Nebraska at Wisconsin, that's a pretty good game. Yeah. I think that could go well. And then the fourth one, well, I mean, you're just you're going to find something out. I mean, it's just I don't know. I think this is a this is petty and dumb and, and childish on their part. Speaking of Black Friday in Iowa, Nebraska, in your piece you talked about uh, one of those games will air on CBS. There will be another one that's on NBC. Are we looking at the potentially our first prime time Iowa Nebraska Black Friday game? Whoa. It, it could happen, um, you know, and I think I don't, I don't know which which one will go to which. I mean, yeah, it could be chilly. Kind of, I remember what the Cyclones uh, played yep. Kansas a couple of years ago. It was just monstrously cold, and and likewise last year with Iowa with uh, Minnesota, and that one was in the dark pretty much the whole time too. So, um, you know, but that's what happens. It happens in the NFL every year, all the way up through January and in the playoffs. So. I don't know. I, I think it's people are making too much of a big deal of it. The logistics are kind of a challenge when you start to talk about November because if you do have snow or something like that, that could be a real problem. But other than that, I think, you know, just deal with it. It's, you know, it, it's your cash cow. You're making more money than everybody else. Just shut up and play the game. <laughs> so did, was was Kevin Warren kind of doing what he wanted? Uh, on, was he on his own? I mean, did he have? I mean, he, everybody listens to somebody, right? Seems like, or, or am I just reading this wrong? That uh, that Warren was just out there doing what he wanted to do. Well, this is part of the problem with hiring somebody outside that's never really worked with college athletics before, because he kind of had his own ideas and thoughts, and he never really worked well with anybody in the Big Ten, like the eighties. I mean, I, I think he's a, he's got a tremendous personality, and he did great things for for the athletes themselves. Um, but when it came to working with the administrators, the athletic directors, and even his TV partners, uh, he left a lot to be desired. I mean, there was a reason why the ADs were very, very frustrated with him. He just wasn't real communicative, and then they ignored them a lot of the cases where, you know, and not to put Jim Delaney up on some pedestal, but Jim set a vision, and he got everybody to that vision. But if he needed to pivot, if he needed to back off, he would. And he did it on some high-profile things, you know, whether it was the Pac-12, Big 12, uh, Big Ten uh, challenge in football, or or moving Michigan Ohio State too early to I think the first weekend in November and having Michigan Michigan State close and Legends of Leaders. He had to back off on some of that stuff, and he did. And but it's still um, overall they had um, you know, but he, I think the COVID situation impacted his legacy, and I and you know he wanted to add more. Um, schools last fall and the administrators there the big 10 was not even close to getting a consensus on that one anything new on the gambling investigation front i know a couple weeks ago before the ohio state series the baseball team was hopeful they get word on those four players didn't happen last week leading it in northwestern same thing nothing happened anything new at all that you can tell us on that front the only thing that i've gathered that i've, I've talked to a couple of people who know is i mean 
the the players that uh, the athletes at both schools are, you know, uh, under you know they're ineligible currently, and they are waiting on the NCAA to to deal or provide with um, their reinstatement policy and how many games are they going to be suspended. So um, it very well could be, you know, sentenced to games already served. Uh, but and they're hopeful, at least in the case of the baseball and track teams, that they can get word very, very quickly. And I don't think, and, and even though they know it's a process and the NCAA operates on its own time, they are hopeful that they might be able to get some word before the end of the season. Now, um, again, you're talking about the NCAA, so don't. <laughs> that's not that's something you just kind of cr- cross your fingers about, but. They are, uh, I would say, just based on what I I talked to at Iowa, especially they they were hopeful that something may happen before the end of the season. Good stuff, Scott Dockerman. If you're an Iowa State fan, uh, Doc, your uh, colleague Mac, uh, Max Olson wrote a good piece on uh, Matt Campbell, uh, what he's building or has built and continues to uh, to try and reset, get back on course uh, up in Ames. Uh, it was published today at the Athletic. What do you have coming up this week, Doc? Yeah, I, I had a lot of time with George Kittle over the weekend when he was in Iowa City, so I'm writing a story about that right now. Uh, we've got um, our recruiting revisited, and I did both Iowa and Iowa State and just some different categories of, you know, best recruit pre-internet age, post-internet age. Um, I'm writing a story kind of like what Max did with Iowa State. I'm writing about Illinois. And I'm also, uh, I, I've already written and I'm just kind of waiting, but next Monday as part of our a one series that goes international is I'm writing about Iowa Wesleyan closing and the legacy it left there with uh, uh, with some of those people. So yeah, it, it, I'm you know it's off season, but it's not really the off season at the athletic. Indeed, well we'll be off next Monday, so we'll uh, hopefully your schedule allow you to join us on Tuesday. Doc, have a great week. Thank you, Scott Dockerman. Appreciate it. All right, have a good one, guys. Yep, Thank see you, so much. Scott Dockerman. As we catch up on the Big Ten and the Hawks. Hour two, Matt Snyder on baseball. Nick Olsen on Iowa State. Trent's Plays of the Day. Circus Sports Sponsors. It's next.